And we're off. I was just going to say that. Yeah. So uh, welcome back, everybody, to Gregorian Rant. I'm Father Brian Larkin. I'm Rosemary Vanderweel. <laughs> yeah. So Patrick is in California. He was tired of me, which I don't blame him. Now, him and Steph and little Gianna are off visiting some of uh, Patrick's good friends in California. And so we took this opportunity. We've got uh, kind of a celebrity. Oh, I know you love it when I say that. I am not. So Rosemary is the president of our school here at Our Lady of Lords and we went with the two campuses. And she came to Lords before I did. 2011. 2011. So that's when I was ordained. That's when I was young. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if I was young then. I've always been old. You are an old soul. You are yeah. an old soul. And just old in general. And just old in general. <laughs> Sam Bittner literally just told me. I can't, that I shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. One of our school parents. He's a great guy. Uh, do you want to shout anybody out? Well, I have Simon and Edmund here, my two precious children that God has blessed me with and a terrific husband. And I think one of the biggest blessings of my job is to be able to have kids and still do it. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine any other way. And I'm certainly not ready to not work. And so to be able to bring them is mm. such a blessing. Simon will be in preschool next year, which is crazy. And it's just, yeah, it's life changes when you, I've been in Catholic education for 18 years and a dramatic shift once I had my own kids and just the approach. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. The, uh, that is, I mean, it is crazy. Yeah. The, um, our eighth graders graduated last night. That's my shout out. Yeah. God bless them. Great so they, class. we had our graduation mass. It was a little bit of a, a tough year this year. Uh, our great kids and I think facing difficulty is part of, it's part of how they learn and how they grow up. So we we love them. We're excited for them to go to high school and they're going to do great things. Yeah. It's bittersweet because I feel like, okay, you graduated eighth grade. You have. <laughs> a lot more responsibility to learn. Your parents drove you. I don't know if they made their lunch, but you know, they're not independent yet. So graduation at this point is more of like, you are now ready to be responsible and learn, you know, independence a little more, but you have to get there. So it's a good stepping stone. Yeah. Um, so I think today we're going to talk about who knows where it'll go? This is a Gregorian rant. You never know where it's going to go. We're going to talk a little bit about education, I think, a little bit about parenting and family life, maybe the state of education in the church, uh, maybe summer plans. Right. But uh, heads up to everyone, we do have Rosemary's two boys, which is great. So we might let them grab the mics. And yeah. <laughs> so that's just forewarned is fair warned. That's right. right. So, uh, so tell me this. So... Maybe tell everybody a little bit about, I know when you started, you were a teacher yeah, and you became disillusioned with the way that schools were working. Yes. So tell me a little bit, tell, tell, I think I've heard it before, but tell yeah. our listening audience a little okay. bit about that. Well, the biggest thing is what I saw happening when I taught. So I taught for seven years after I graduated and the hardest thing as a teacher was to say to the students, you need to know this to go to the next grade. That just felt so flat and like my job was so useless if that's the only thing I was doing. So that really just started 
it, it kind of the scale started falling and I realized like I'm not happy teaching this way and I want kids to be joyful learning and if that's their only motivation to learn they're not joyful so that's when I started packing my bags to get out of education and when I like that let's pause there okay, one second sure <clears throat> that I just think that would be hard yeah but that was I, I think I know for me that was what education was like is there's just hey you just got to do this because if you don't you're not moving on to the next grade right. and uh, even all the way for me, it was all the way through college. Yeah, me too. Until it wasn't until I was in seminary that I had one teacher in high school who kind of helped me love learning. He was great. Peter Melbach, God bless him. But, but yeah, I think that's just like, it doesn't help anybody, right? No, and there's no joy. I mean, honestly, there's friendship and there's like fun things in school. I'm not a total cynic, but there is no joy in learning. And that's, I think that was hard for me. And it was hard for me as a student. I hated school. Hated yeah. it. I slept through and got straight A's and I'm not, it's not because I'm smart. It's because I knew how to like match bold faced words. So as a teacher, it was just like, Oh, that's it. That's, that's not fun. Yeah. So that's when I started kind of rethinking life and seeing, and really you know, it was the Holy Spirit because I was very young and immature, but just thinking if this is all it is, I'm not going to be in Catholic education. And then thankfully I was at the AI and enough prominent mentors in my life said, instead of leave it, go make it better. Yeah. So that's so Tim Gray was part of that. Tim Gray, Dr. Burns, uh, Bishop, Conley. Bishop Conley was a big one. Yeah. So yeah, just that was Gosh, seems like a lifetime ago. And from then I took the job at Lourdes and I didn't exactly know what to do, but I knew what not to do. So that's really how I have stepped into this was like, I know what I don't want us to look like. And I know that I want these kids to love learning and love their faith. And that's so when people say like, well, what's a classical school? I mean, I don't. I don't consider us first and foremost classical. I consider us first and foremost Catholic. And the way to teach the fullness of the faith is through the philosophy of what ancient education was. So that's, yeah. that's it. It's not like it's this, oh, you're a STEM. Oh, you're classical. It's, a, it's the way to form humanity well. Yeah, it's not a niche. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, so when I came to Lourdes, you'd been here two or three years. Uh, I got here in 2011. You guys so here in 2014? Three, so three yeah. years, yeah. <clears throat> and Lord's had a great reputation. Uh, and I'm, I felt so great because Catholic education, you know, I think in, with all the good intentions out there, there's a lot of brokenness in Catholic yeah. education right now. And uh, I came and I was just grateful that you were here because I already knew the reputation at Lord's that it was, it was known for being a really Catholic school. It was not just a, a regular public school with a religion class. Mm -hmm. It was a place I knew that like people in our circles and we're talking, I think it was Beth Shree one time. And sometimes when you're around other, other like really good Catholics, I, I think she said this, but someone said, it's like, you can just sniff them out. Yeah. You know, we, we, we kind of just, there's a feel to it. Yeah. We're just like, Oh yeah, those are my people. Yeah. And people in my circles were starting to come to Lords and, uh, yeah. 
it's good families are what make it great. It's it's a whole group effort. You know how much I love Hillary Clinton, so she said it takes a village, <laughs> and I agree with her. Yes. I mean, I get all my parenting tips from her. From Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Oh, I know yeah. you do. There's a funny backstory to that. <laughs> was that, what was that, the 2016 election? Yeah. In 2016, when she was running for president, <laughs> I kept giving Rosemary, like, grief about, you've got to vote for Hillary Clinton or something like that. Yeah. And then somehow... <laughs> Her mom, like, her mom, like, randomly texts me and she's like, you can't vote for Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, who is this? <laughs> that was before I knew you. And I was like, man, he might. He might actually vote he for her. He might vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> just a little off. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That, that was, was, that was funny. that's one of the most fun text messages I've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah. It's like. After that, I was like, I, I honestly don't know how she got your number. I, I don't. I didn't give it. You didn't give it to her? No. Was, were you dating John yet at that time? No. Okay. No, I was going to say maybe it was John. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Right, let's blame John. Okay. That's a good We'll one. blame John. Always. No. Yeah, it's good to blame your spouse. <laughs> Just kidding, John. What do you... What, what, talk about this a little bit. I think uh, from a... Uh, just to kind of being a principal and now a president of a school, um, on a diocesan level... How, what do you wish other schools kind of would embrace? And just step by step, because I think in Denver, right? We, I think we wish that every school did things more the way we did. Yeah. Because we think it'd be good for them. Right. But how, how do you think is a, a first step towards getting schools on the right track? Um, I don't, is it part of the 12 step program? Like first identify what the problem is. So are you comparing schools to. Yes. People, <laughs> yes. no, no, no. Yeah. I love my colleagues. It's anytime you present change, it's a challenge, especially mm. to people who have done something one way for years and years, particularly education, education and medicine. If you say I'm challenging the way you look at this in either of those two fields, the automatic response is defensiveness because yep. this is the way we were raised. This is how we've done it. You know, so I think the first thing and Elias has done a great job in like laying the groundwork for this is just helping people see like it's not your fault they're like we have we were formed in an educational system that was is broken yeah so it's not your fault that you have poured your heart and soul into this system we can do it better though and it's not that's not a criticism that they've done it wrong it's that when you don't know you don't know so i think the first step is to just say we know that we can do it better catholics have been educating for hundreds of years better than public school systems. And somehow in the early 1900s that got slipped and we gave over the reins. Yeah. You know, I, there's that line from Aristotle where he says, uh, man by nature desires to know. Yeah. And I think the first time I heard that I didn't, I didn't fully understand it, but it, it, it rubbed against my experience of education. Right. It wasn't that I wanted to know things and know about the world. I just felt like I had to do that because, because I needed yeah. to get a job. It was right. just functional. It was pure functionalism. Yeah. And I think that's my, you know, Peter Melbach, but my seminary education primarily, it, it, it awakened in me a desire to actually love, Learning. love the truth. Yeah. Right. And pursuing it. Simon, go get your construction truck. I'll, I'll open it. Yes. Life is real. Life is real. 
Five minutes break. Yeah, we're going to have to get uh, when Gianna's old enough. Yeah, get her in here to talk. Yeah. And Edmund. And Edmund. Is he, he looks like he's out cold. He's best yeah, Edmund's out cold. <laughs> yeah. So I th- and I think with, with different Catholic schools, what we did at Lourdes, so Rosemary had the ball rolling. And I think, I think one of the hardest things for other places, I think the key is leadership. For sure. Right? For sure. And I think, like, I don't know principles in the diocese basically at all, except for you and our two principles. But I, my, my impression of Catholic education is you need the right people running things and it has to start with a principal and a pastor. Right. For sure. And I, for my part, I, the guys coming out of seminary, they're going to want this. When they get assigned yeah. to a school, they're going to be like, let's make our school really Catholic, not just yeah. in name. Let's really make it a place where people love the faith and you can just tell right when you walk in the doors. Yeah. I think the hard part is not everyone's on board with that. And so you got to find the right principle and then you've got to be willing. And you did this before I came to Lords. You have to be willing to, to allow people to, to leave. Yeah. That's the, that's a really hard thing. It's a humbling thing because when you're like driven by enrollment and your budget goes off numbers, the biggest thing in leadership though, is you can't please everyone. And I don't go out of my way to not please people, but you have to take a principled stance and you have to do things that you know are against popular belief. And that makes you stronger. I mean, I think the families here, whether they're happy with me or not, they at least know that about us. They know that we're not going to compromise. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's truth. It's true. And I think one of the things that we found over the years was there's a... There's an important dynamism between parish and school. For sure. And so when the parish started coming alive, the school really started growing more and more. Uh, I, I kind of feel right now like we've hit a critical mass where the reputation is so strong that the school would probably be strong even if the parish wasn't. I think they go hand in hand. I think yeah. parish life drives it because our families are here, but their home is a parish, you know, like it's not, Yeah. it, it can't be like, I just don't, I don't still know if that's long-term sustainable. I think the parish has to be vibrant and alive. Not every one of our school families goes here, but they know that this parish is like yeah. full of life. And I mean, ring-a-ding-ding-ding. We're at yes. 50% yeah. that go here. Yeah. And honestly, if all of them came, it would, we would need a bigger church. Like yeah. it's, Praise God, there's other places, but I just, I think the life of the parish is critical. Families, well, and maybe this can be our segue, families are so much in need of support and the school day doesn't cut it. The parents need formation. And it's, again, it's not because they're bad parents. It's because what we are dealing with, particularly now, two years after COVID, that has like rocked our world. We will not know the devastation this has played on kids parents need they need support there's more there's more studies coming out about that yeah i'm i'm hearing um oh, i wish i could quote it i heard about a study the other day about how far behind kids are in learning yeah. after the pandemic and just just basic reading yeah for instance it's terrible yeah and and the academic piece is one but the just the humanity of it like the isolation 
And it's not just families. Every single person, I think that is the, the devil is having his heyday, making people feel isolated. Yeah. And that's killing. It's, it's harming, doing a lot of harm. It is doing a lot of harm. Yeah. No, we, we need that desperately. And I think uh, it's been interesting to watch you as you and John got married, two kids, uh, and juggling kind of this place. And uh, I always laugh. I'm like, it's going to be funny for Simon yeah. when he's like, my mom's the principal, you're the president. Yeah. You know, and he'll probably get busted more than any other probably. kid. I'll yeah. send him to the laundry room. That's, yeah. that's where he goes. I love <laughs> At like, home, don't he goes, do that. Yeah. That's a bad, that's the in that's trouble our, place. That's our cool down place. What do you wish from, so from a parent side, you know, we both hear from parents, like we wish the Lord saw things this way and they got parents were juggling this and this and this. But what would you say from like from a teacher side and the school side? Most of our parents are, I mean, are just amazing people. Yeah. But I think everybody, you know, we have our limited perspectives. Yeah. What do you think parents, you know, as their kids go through school? I mean, what do you think that is something maybe parents could see a little bit more clear? Well, the, something that is really front and center in my mind, especially with teachers, first of all, the burnout rate is crazy high right now for teachers. teachers. Yes. They do not want to be in the classroom. Authority has been thrown out the window. Kids behavior has been terrible. And not just here. I think here is way less nationwide. COVID has just upset everything. But something that I'm really aware of is just like reestablishing the nobility of the profession of teaching. Mm. It's not like an afterthought. Like you don't become a teacher because you're not smart enough to be an engineer. or You don't really want to be a CPA. You become a teacher because God has placed an incredible calling on your heart. Mm-hmm. And colleges certainly don't honor that. And unfortunately, the the educational system itself doesn't honor that. It's like, here's here's the manual. Here's all the questions you need to ask. Here are the tests. We don't expect you to have one original thought all year. Just kind of monkey through the, these It's manuals. like an assembly line. Yeah. yeah. And that has harmed the relationship of the parents. They don't respect the yeah. teachers. They, it's like, they're seen as like glorified babysitters, except unfortunately, I think babysitters get paid more. So like we're in a, we're in a situation where we just have to like understand that of course, no school is perfect. No person is perfect. Teachers are going to make mistakes. Parents are going to, everyone makes mistakes, but to, to respond to the calling of teaching is a, an enormous, like sacrifice of your life. That is beautiful. You know, it's an interesting irony about that is so in our kind of circles, we run more conservative, traditional, like, uh, I don't even like using that word right here. Cause that could mean a different thing, but Orthodox Catholics. Okay. So good, faithful Catholics, they tend to be politically more conservative. An interesting thing that my mind has been like thinking lately is the, uh, public schools, right? When we talk about public schools, the ones who want more like accountability and more test results tend to be conservatives, right? So if, if, we're, if you're talking about like public school system, if you're listening to uh, whatever talk radio, whether it's liberal or conservative, it feels like generally it's the conservatives who are saying, stop throwing money at schools. They're, they're failing. Yeah. We need to hold them accountable. Yeah. Which I, 
I think before I really thought about running a school, I would have agreed with. And now more and more, I think there's some problems with, um, are we training teachers? Not that they're not supposed to be accountable, but are we just training them to teach in a functional way? Right. And so you don't like what you're talking about. You, it's, it just feels purely functional. Yeah. It boils it down to something. It sets the standards so low. Of course, we want our kids to perform well. Yeah. That's not the question at all. A, a terrible teacher can get kids to perform well. Yeah. And we can be a terrible school and still churn out great tests. Yeah. That is not the measure by which I want to be measured. And that the problem with this is we're, we're changing. We're challenging a system that has been in place. So yeah. It's not easy. It this is, is fascinating. Easy. I mean, th- I mean, when we think about the broader culture, not just in the church, but it seems like when we lost the vision of education, and this all had, has to do with the enlightenment, yeah. where we gave up essentially that we could say there is a true good for humanity that's more than just making money right? or like physical measurable things. We gave up on that with the enlightenment. And it seems like when we did that, so it's interesting now liberals, it seems their their uh education becomes weaponized. Yes. Right. Op- of course. Why wouldn't it? Yeah. You use it for whatever you want. Yeah. It's yeah. it's Nietzsche, right? So 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 they see it seems like liberals are leaning towards overly broad statements, but liberals are leaning towards let's just push our social agenda in the classroom. Yeah. And it'll take time, but then the United States changes just because we've taught kids that you can be any gender that you choose. Yep. Uh, Bill Maher, did you see this? I did. I didn't watch it. I just saw the headline. Yeah. Bill Maher. It's always best when someone on the left criticizes the left and someone on the right criticizes someone on the right. But Bill Maher came out and said the, uh, he showed a study that transgenderism, self-reported transgenderism is doubling with every generation. And so he goes, all with boomers, it's like less than 1%. Right. Now I with like I think with millennials it was like it was like I don't know ten percent with millennials I want to say and then the next generation Gen Z or whatever they call them uh, it's at twenty percent. Oh my! And he was just kind of saying you know you can question that yeah. But, uh, but but the interesting thing I think though is that so the left kind of like education when it fell from its reality and what it's really meant to be. What happens, right, is like the left is like weaponizing it for social change, but the right lost the splendor of education and it became functional for the right. And so now it's, it's, it's merely just the hard sciences yeah. that are kind of the, the crown of education now. And so you learn in order to do things. Yeah. And what happens is this is why kids hate going to school. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Hated it. Um, another problem. Well, it's not a problem. It's a challenge for people that are trying to like reclaim <clears throat> what true education is. We're challenging the way we have been raised. So we were trained. Yeah. Our education sucks. Yep. So we're as parents now. We don't use that word on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Vanderweel. Mrs. Vanderweel. <gasps> yeah. Please forgive me. Yes. You have to apologize <laughs> to my mother. She hates that word. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Larkin. There you go. <laughs> uh, it was terrible. And 
now you've made me just self-conscious about everything I'm going to say. I don't want to say any bad words. <laughs> so what we do with when we owners that word is we talk about, you know, some schools do what a vacuum does. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. So our education did what a vacuum did. Uh, our job is to give the next generation more than we got, which is a great, that's every generation wants that. The problem is we don't, know what it looks like so for example we had coffee talk with me you know parents came in and had coffee earlier last week maybe and they're like we just still don't know what how to say what classical education is and that's fine i i think it's it's kind of a beautiful thing that they don't because it's not something that you just distill into four bullet points right and that's like we have to retrain our brain to not read in bullet points and to say like well, first of all, what we're doing, the classicalness of our education is forming humanity well and being a, an authentically Catholic school. Yep. So if, if you're, someone asks you what your school is, just say that. Like, it, this isn't, it's not like we're doing STEM and we're not, we are forming humanity well in the sciences, in technology, in everything. So we're just it's having less to about, retrain. I mean, it's about both. But it seems like it's about content and form. Yes. But almost, so you can have all the same content a public school has. I think our emphasis is a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, we didn't read things that, that the kids at Lords are reading. Right. And also, and not just because I wasn't in a Catholic school, but Catholic schools weren't reading a lot of the things our kids read. Right. Yeah. And so there, there is a different content. But I think one of the hard things to get at with people <clears throat> is the form, which uh, it's not just what is taught, it's how it's taught. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, the big things, right, is, and this is why I, think, I do think that classical, the word sometimes gets in the way, but how do we get kids, how do we get them to live a good life? Yeah. And classical education, we just care about that question. Yes. Not just how are you going to get a good job. Right. And, and we've, because we gave up hope in a vision for humanity that life is more than money. Right. We don't know how to say that anymore in schools. Yeah. It like makes our brain explode trying to, and try, trying to quantify that. Like how, right. how do you assess that? Yeah. Someone who, um, I don't know. So it's like reading Fyodor Dostoevsky which we don't read in the elementary school, I don't think. Uh, third grade. Third grade, Just yeah. <laughs> third grade. Tolstoy's fourth. Um, <laughs> but but Dostoevsky, like, if you read Dostoevsky, is that gonna, it's not gonna show up on a test. You're not, you're not gonna be able to say, wow, I got this job because I read Crime right. and Punishment. But I, when I started reading Dostoevsky, it made my life better. Yep. It made me think about <clears throat> what is life about and what are the big questions and my life was just more rich. Yeah. Be not because, you know, the, the temptation I think sometimes is we want to be like a cultured person. Yeah. And so you just start name dropping. Yeah. You know, oh, Dostoevsky. Mm, yeah, that's a big mm, one. That's, you know. I don't actually know how to spell that. It's not easy. <laughs> He's not an easy one. Uh, but, you, you know, you're like, well, I, you know, Tuesday nights is Bach. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's more about are you the type of person who lives a rich life? Right. You know what the meaning of life is. You, you're in conversation 
about the deepest things it means to make a human being a human. Uh, and that's not easy. No. I don't think you can put that. There, there's, there's guidelines, right? And there's helpful things. But I don't think you can put that in a box and p- p- package it, you know? No. I have two things to say about that. You cannot put it. That's not how we measure success in this area. Of course, we measure it from an academic standpoint, but this is way more critical. And our parents know that they come to us and say, this is the good life is far more important. Um, The second thing is it isn't about name dropping. And I think the danger that we run and something to just be ever aware of is like the humility of, of what we're doing. And like, I don't want our students to come out of here seeing, feeling like they're higher or, you know, like they've, they want to be arrogant. Yeah. Like, that's great that you can recite Shakespeare sonnets and, and you have these beautiful things, but it's great because it's pointing you to, it's making you realize that you have the capacity to know, but to know higher truth. And so I just, there's always this fear in, in schools like ours that are classical and just doing so great you can't become intellectually prideful. This, you have right. to stay grounded and just like rooted to the truth of our relationship to the creator and everything we do points to that. Yeah, there's nothing, I think in society today, <clears throat> when you meet an intellectual snob, yeah. oh, they're awful. Yeah. They're just, they're just the worst. And the um, well, they're not relatable, and they're like they're they've wasted their knowledge. Like, who wants to talk to that? They've missed the whole point, yeah, right? The they they miss the point of what education's about. Yeah. I uh, I've, recently, maybe just this past week, <clears throat> I was thinking about with with the two parishes, and right now things are really picking up, and I think everyone coming out of COVID is really they're ready to be back in life. Yeah. As am I. Simon has what? Snot. He spelled his name when I said I can't even spell whatever Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. <laughs> he said. Ring a ding ding. He said S I M O N. He can. He's cute. Simon, do you do you want to say hi to everybody? No, not yet. Not yet. Soon. We'll bring you back. We'll have Simon as a guest speaker one of these days. Tell you how bad of a mom I am. Yeah. But, but I've been thinking about being so busy. I had a fear around, gosh, I feel like I, I, I don't have the time to read right now that I usually yeah. do. And I feel like I'm like, what do I have to offer people? And I had a little fear this week about that. I was like, am I losing my kind of gift of being able? And I think there's, there is a real danger for priests there where we need to fight not to be intellectuals, but, but to have contemplation and yes. to be people who are in, not just functional, but who are in touch with truth. Yes. Right. And can lead others. Yeah. And I'm reminded Father John said to me when we were in seminary, we had a rivalry in through academics basically. And one time John said something about, um, he said, you know, a real intellectual is not a smart person. An intellectual is someone who loves the truth. Yeah. And I just, I thought that was so well said that a real intellectual is someone who 
they don't, they're not seeking their own like pride or vanity, but they've learned that the truth and Patrick always gets mad on the podcast because he says, you know, in Lords, all we ever say is truth, goodness, beauty, (laughs) truth, goodness, beauty. And he's not, he's not wrong, but that is what it's about. And, and there, there's something about acquiring a taste, not just for books, although I think that's really important, but for the goodness of what God's made. Yeah. And whether you have time to read or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think our, you know, I hear that from our moms in the school. They say, somebody told me, I forget who it was, but I had a mom say she loves a podcast because we don't, Catholic stuff. You should know not to trash you guys. Love you brothers, but that they banter for about half hour, 40 minutes before they actually do a topic. And there's some mom came to me and she was, she just said, you guys actually get to the topic and I need to, I need to learn. I don't have time to, to read. I'm a busy mother. I've got a lot of little kids and anyway. Here we are. And here we are. (laughs) Ring-a-ding-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding. Oh, I'll never live that down. You will never live that down. In my old fashioned language. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All your ballyhoo. Yeah. Yeah. I have never said that. You've totally said that. <laughs> your shenanigans. I've said shenanigans. You have said shenanigans. And I've said rascal. Rascal. You old rascal. There are a lot of rascals in my life. There are. <laughs> there are a lot of rascals in your life. I will right, well, tell me a little bit about this. So, <clears throat> sorry. No, bless you. Yep, you can take your socks off. I can take mine off too. Yeah, that kind of day. Oh, there it is. So now having two young kids and just kind of the state of the world, how are you and John, like, what's it like just having two young kids? You both work full time. Uh, what are the challenges for a Catholic mom right now? Which I'm sure there's a hundred. Yeah. But what's, tell me a little bit about that. It's a something that I'm like so aware of is just my own levels of anxiety mm-hmm. and um like rejecting the anxiety that is ridiculous. It's all ridiculous, but like the world is crazy right now and it is yeah. scary to have two kids. So I can either like focus my time making dinner on like what is going on out in the world or like focus on teaching him how to help me set the table and you know, unload the dishwasher. So like choosing the things that stress me out, I would much rather have it take 30 minutes for him to help me unload the dishwasher than like have Fox news playing and be like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. Biden's ridiculous. Like all of those things I already know. So I'm like trying to walk the balance because of course you need to know what's going on in the world. But if all like we could Every single person, and maybe this is happening, you would be incredibly depressed if you let yourself. So like, and it's like we said at graduation last night and your homily was like, I was like, man, it's, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. Cause all I wanted to talk about was joy. Like mm. the world is a mess right now. Let's focus on joy. We cannot control. I mean, there are some things, of course, voting and all those things, but like we can control our joy and how we raise our families. and isn't that what John Paul II said will change the world is like yeah. the way we are attentive to our family. So is he, and that's a long preamble to my answer of like, one of my biggest challenges is like 
choosing the things where I put my energy. Yeah. Cause it's way easier for me to like flip on talk radio while I'm making dinner. Yep. But then being like, that's not, I, I have like these precious moments with these boys and such option, you know, such optimal time to form them. That's so true. I I'm the same way, by the way, with that. I, I feel like there's been a battle in all of my adult life, but I, I, the news always ramps you up. Yeah. And this morning driving from St. Louis to Lourdes, the same mass, I just turned off and I've been doing this more, which has been good for my soul as I just turned off the radio. Yeah. Even music. I, I, well, I did put on music, but it was uh, classical. Uh, and it just put my soul in a place of peace. Yeah. That's everything, right? Yeah. Thomas Merton has a great line. Uh, he says, uh, he, there's a little book. It's funny. I was talking to one of our parishioners and Thomas Merton's one of those kind of controversial mm-hmm. figures. Like yeah. He's amazing. Now he went, yeah. it looks like he kind of went off the rails at the end yeah. of his life. But honestly, I will tell you if you, if you're out there, uh, Bishop Barron has a great um, video on that on YouTube. If you look it up, if you look at Bishop Barron on Thomas Merton, he just really says it really well. Okay. And, uh, but Merton has two books that I like to recommend to people. One is called New Seeds of Contemplation. And the other is No Man is an Island. Mm. They are so, they have helped me pray over the last decade mm. in such profound ways. And one of the things that Merton says, that made me think of this because what you said, Merton says, if you don't make a conscious effort to rid yourself of the noise and anxieties of the world, you will never ever learn how to pray. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. And it's, it's so simple, but I feel like being a Christian in our time, it's this art of Roe versus Wade. Hopefully praise God will be overturned and that matters. And we got to fight for these things, but at a certain level, being a Christian means we've got we've to get out of the world. Yeah. And the world's always burning down. It's always going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. How, so, so Simon will help set the table and unload the dishwasher. And- I mean, he tries. It takes a lot of attempts. But yeah, he does. He wants to be a part of it. And that's beautiful. That's, I mean, the gift of family is huge. And I think especially my generation where like we can like look up recipes on the phone and like everything now is on a screen. It's, it's the easier path. It's easier to get on Instagram. Well, I don't have Instagram, but like we have to rid ourselves of that. And that's, it's hard. It's so simple and it's hard because that's our comfort right now. And it goes back to what we started with is like the isolation. I don't think people, and maybe they do, maybe people are waking up. I'm not speaking specifically of our community here, but just like you can be saturated in social media and look at how mentally disturbed these people are who are like that. So like the, I mean, it just goes back to classical education, even like just the (laughs) humanity of what we're trying to do, like the relationship and the human experience of why God put us here that's like should be first and foremost in our mind. And I don't think ever before in history has it been challenged so much to where it's so easy to pull back and be isolated and still, 
you know, feel connected and have pleasure, but not in, not in the right way. So. Yeah. I, uh, anxiety is such a poisonous thing. Yeah. And I get it. Everybody gets it, but I, I get it as a priest. My prayer this past two weeks, Rosemary knows me well. So, you know, like I worry too much about what other churches are doing and are we staying up on that? Are we doing the right things? And I get anxiety about it. Yeah. And I, I literally this morning in my holy hour, I was just praying for smallness huh? and just, you know, the Lord loves things that are hidden and small. And it was so, it just brought peace right to me right then. I was like, I need to be small mm. and I need to be okay with it. Praise God if other churches are doing well, you know, but I need to give up my anxieties. And my, my mission as a priest is not to, it's not to be the best parish ever. You know, you could say it that way, I guess. But probably, the, but the better one is, I think, the mission for me as a priest is just to be a good priest. Mm-hmm. And if that, and if I can achieve that, if God can do that in me, like that's what I was created for, yeah. and that's good. And I can let go of the fears, kind of the world mm-hmm. offers us. Beautiful. It's true. And good. And good. <laughs> Patrick, we miss you. We miss you, Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, you are true, truly beautiful. <laughs> and good. In, in a good way. In a good way. But it's also true that Steph is more beautiful than you are. That is also true. Which is good. And true. Yeah. And beautiful. <laughs> I don't know where we're at. <laughs> ring a ding ding. <laughs> All right, folks. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Rosemary Vanderweel, it's a joy to have you on this. Thanks. Good. You need to come back on. We should do this more. I happily will. I am always like, I don't think one last thing in closing 10 years in, I'm like, do I have anything worth saying anymore? Right. I feel the same way. Okay. So I just like any goodness comes from God and any inspiration. And this is a beautiful mission to be called to. So that's, it's very humbling to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I, after eight years of Lords, I am like, everyone knows what I think about everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything. And so, so people were like, Oh, father Brian, you should say Lords. I'm like, are you sure about that? Do you, do you want to maybe like have like some time to think about that? Because no, I don't know how much more gas I've got in the tank, uh, in terms of new, new insights to offer. But anyway, the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit. can work miracles. He can. I, I would never deny that. All right, everybody, send us an email. Our email is rant at lordsdenver.org. If you want to learn more about our school here, uh, you can go uh, to lordsdenver.org and there's a link. Or what's the main Lordsclassical.org. Lordsclassical.org. So check that out. And we, I think the big thing is across the country for the good of our society, we need to renew education and family life. Amen. So Amen. Uh, God bless you all. God bless and you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Okay.